Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. I'm Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we talk to Christy. We have been working for actually a couple of years together, and this year we're working on the 2X Accelerator. She's tried to double her revenue in 2021. And good news, she actually accomplished her goal and exceeded it already, and we're just through June at this point. So she hit $7,300 in June, which is a fantastic goal. Really excited to talk about that. And another cool part is in May, we actually thought there was a, a real problem. It looked like traffic dropped by 50%. It turns out the analytics were just messed up. So we'll talk about that today. And Christy, how's it going today? It's going much better today, Doug. <laughs> Good. Good. So the last time we talked, you seem to have recovered. Things seem to go on the upward trajectory. But now here we're a few weeks later and you actually got to the bottom of what was going on. So what was going on? Right. So basically what it seems like has happened in May was that we tried to do some site speed optimization that ironically broke everything. <laughs> And essentially what happens was they were trying to defer JavaScript. This is not my area, so bear with me. But defer JavaScript to make the site faster, except they didn't exclude the Google Analytics tracking code from that. So essentially people would have to click around for a long time on the site to be counted instead of it just tracking the way it normally would. So it looked like, you know, a plummet basically in traffic, but in reality, we probably didn't lose any. So it was kind of like a whole bunch of worry about the wrong thing. Like it, it turned out to be a really easy fix with someone who knew what they were doing. However, it also, you know, as I said in my, my blog update, like it reminded me that some other stuff was broken that I thought was fine. You know, right. so there were changes I needed to make, um, but luckily the core of the site is fine. Awesome. Very good to hear. I know one of the, the, the number one thing that people that have done this for a while will recommend, and, and my friend Quinton and several other people pointed this out, hey, double check your analytics. Typically, if you're making configuration changes and your analytics change, but it doesn't seem like your rankings or your earnings have dropped, there's probably an analytics problem. And luckily, I, as an experienced person, also pointed that out. But thanks to Quentin, a number of the other folks who pointed it out too, uh, you all sent emails, which was really helpful. And I passed those along to Christy. So um, what other things were broken that revealed themselves? Yeah. So we uh, didn't have six months of site backups. So that was a problem we didn't know about. So when it came time to be like, oh, well, we'll just roll it back. Like, we'll just roll it back, see what happened. Like, this is why we have a backup plugin. Nope, didn't have six months of files, don't know why. Backup company doesn't know why. Which was kind of not the point of a backup. So that was broken. Um, the developer I had that I really like as a person just wasn't able to figure out what was going on. Like it became clear that he wasn't familiar with these types of problems. So like he could do a lot of technical stuff, but when it came to troubleshooting and figuring out that the code was wrong for Google analytics, like, nope. 
the site speed company that had helped us previously, like also never suggested that fix. So it was just like some of these things that I just assumed like, well, someone on my team is going to know. Nope. No one on the team knew. So um, in the process of onboarding a new developer and I have a new site speed company and uh, we switched backups to manage WP, which I think is what you use also. Um, so just some of those things that I was like, no, 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 that stuff is running. Like the foundation of the site is totally fine. I have the people in place. Like I have a disaster plan document. Like none of that helped me. So it was a, uh, it was a good realization. I do feel like we're more prepared to, uh, survive in the future, but yeah, it was super stressful. Yeah. And I will all defend the, I think it's speedy site. Is that what it is? Speedy site. So I'll defend speedy site. Um, I did provide a testimonial for them. They did speed up your site to my satisfaction and from it's okay if we disagree on this, by the way, but I was going to say, looking at the dates of when you had the traffic issue and when they completed their work, I'm confident to point the blame to your developer who you guys use a different tool for some of the, um, uh, I can't remember what it was exactly, but it, yeah, it, I the think dates the don't line up. Go yeah. Ahead. I think the JavaScript stuff was in WP rocket was where that was, but I don't, I don't know which person changed it because everybody had admin access. So I just don't know. Um, but it did make me feel better to, to kind of find someone later, which you, I think you had said at the time, like, just go on Upwork and find somebody, you know, I was like, Oh yeah. I use that for writers. Like, that's a good idea. I should just do that. And it was like the first thing out of his mouth was like, well, we're checking this one thing in this one place. And I was like, Oh, well, thank you. Mm -hmm. I I just don't know anything about this. This isn't my thing. So it was, yeah. Like I think one of the most frustrating things was just being like, I am not qualified to fix this this isn't in my wheelhouse. Like I am not going to be able to fix it. So. Yep. And for something like that, where you don't, I mean, and I wouldn't necessarily be qualified or not qualified. I'm like in the middle, which is a dangerous area where I think I might know how to do a couple. Yeah. Somewhat, but I wouldn't know like, Hey, check that setting. Cause you don't know it's an area that can actually screw things up in that fashion. Cause not all of your traffic went away. Now, when one area that you didn't point out that I also think is something you need to add is you don't have any ranking tracking for Mm -hmm. the keywords that you're ranking for. You can get some data from the search console but unfortunately that is a few days behind and it's based on an average. So it doesn't give you some of the true numbers that you're Mm -hmm. looking for. And you can look on hrefs, right? If you have access to that, but that too is delayed. So if you have like rank tracking, that's a tool made to track your ranking, Mm -hmm. which you may have access to a suite of tools that will do that for you. Like, KW Finder and Mangool's okay. tools, they have a piece in there. So I think it would be important. It Most of the time, it really doesn't matter as much other than like, hey, I'm checking my analytics and I'm looking to see, um, hey, am I, are my rankings going mm-hmm. up for these new posts that I just published in the last few months? Right. And you can see it in other ways, but 
if some disaster happens, it's really nice to have that information where you've been right. tracking it and you know, it, you know that it's okay or not okay immediately. Yeah. That was, Oh, I was just gonna say that was the hard part was kind of putting all the data pieces together and figuring out what the problem was. Right. Like, because for a while there, I thought, well, my ads are showing like a huge decrease in traffic too. So that must be true. But I had forgotten that the ads were tucked into Google analytics and that's where they pulled from. So like, I didn't realize that for like three weeks. Right. You know, so I've been using that as a data point to be like, yeah, no, it's traffic because I have two places telling me it's traffic while they were telling me from the same place. So mm-hmm. that's true. And then one, one other puzzle piece to throw in, we could have checked your server logs because there typically is a mechanism or some traffic analytics in your cPanel or somewhere behind the scenes. And it's, mm-hmm. it's literally, it's not as, um, it's not as user-friendly as Google Analytics, if you can call Google Analytics user-friendly. Yeah. It's worse than that, right? So you you can get an idea how many server calls okay. and all that. So we could have looked yeah, there and just seen, oh, this is, uh, it looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So, okay. That said, congratulations. You reached your goal. <laughs> it's fixed. We're okay, Doug. You're fine. And and you hit seven thousand bucks, which was your initial goal, yeah. right? First time. Hmm? So First what time. what does this mean mean for you? Yeah, so I had made it as a real stretch goal, right? Because I had consistently been getting around, I don't know, three thousand a month or so, which I thought was awesome because that is awesome and that's real money. Um, and I'd been getting that through you know most of twenty twenty with a dip up in, you know, December, whatever we like crossed 4,000, I think for the first time. And I was like, ah, Doug, um, which is very exciting. So to me getting to seven and kind of doubling where I'd been averaging just seemed like a really far goal. Like if I can hit it by this December, that would be great. So to get there by June to me just means like, I can see it is possible to get, $7,000 a month from the amount of the content I have right now. Right. So to me, that's like, it may go up and down. Like that's fine. That stuff happens. But like, this is the amount of traffic and the amount of content that means that I can reach that. So it just gives me a bit of a baseline to be like, okay, so now I need to sustain that and see if I can do that for six months. And then it's time for a new goal. And maybe that's 10 K month. Right. And for me now, since I have my other business, like I'm not necessarily living on this money, right. I'm chucking it all into the bank or investments or whatever, so that I'm buying myself time when I don't have to work on my other company in the future. So that's kind of where my mindset is. Um, I don't need it to pay rent right now, which is great because of, you know, kind of the up and down nature of this thing. But it's buying me time in the future to be like, I could not sell stuff for a year. And that's great. Like if I can buy myself time, that's pretty much my end goal. So. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. It's very impressive. And I think I feel like maybe in one of those early sessions that we had in January or February, Mm -hmm. I was like, I wouldn't be shocked if you 
crossed over 10K by the end of the year based on the amount of work that you're doing and some of the, I guess, things that you were thinking of doing because those could be, you know, really big. And we'll talk about a few of those in a, in a minute here. But yeah, congratulations again. I know. I didn't believe you when you said that. I was like, really, no, I don't think so, Doug. <laughs> it's really strange. And I mean, we did a really good job. Like the first time you came over to my house back in, I think it was like January of 2019, 18? 2018, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, you hit your first hundred dollars, which is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. That was within four months. Yeah. And you came in green. You didn't know anything about anything that we're doing here. And nope. you've seen big growth too. And mm -hmm. that's, that's the thing. Like you think, all right, I can't believe I got to a hundred dollars. Like that's a nice chunk of change right. to have a little extra. And then you hit a thousand and then 3000 and 5,000 and it's still growing. And it seems mm -hmm. like, ah, you know what? It should taper off, but right. you, it's still surprising. Right. And it always is, by it's the way, it's, it's always surprising. Yeah. So every month I check in on the 15th and I'm like, probably not going to be any money there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then it's totally fine. And I'm like, hmm, okay, well, I will be pleasantly surprised once again. Like it doesn't seem like I should be able to make money from something that I enjoy working on. <laughs> now, before we move on to some of the projects and other areas of your goals this year, do you have any tips for people when they hit one of these situations where their traffic mm -hmm. drops or appears to drop as far as dealing with it and then actively tackling that problem or set of problems? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is to either have people already on your team that can do it, or if you find out that the people you had can't really help, then just move faster. So I think where I ended up, like it was fine. We didn't ruin anything. It turned out traffic wasn't gone. Like nothing I did by waiting was hurtful in the end, but I was just kind of stuck waiting for my developer to figure it out or waiting for traffic to recover. And it just kind of left me in this like ongoing stressed state, which wasn't super productive. So I think what I wish I would have done earlier is like get on Upwork. Like if I'm not getting the results that I need from someone being able to tell me what happened, like I want to get on there, search for a site speed person or search for a developer and get a second pair of eyes on it. Because, you know, sometimes new people can see a lot of stuff that, you know, when you're in it every day, your team's in it every day, you're not going to maybe notice what went wrong, but someone who only does that specific thing and sees hundreds of sites, you know, every day can sometimes point it out really fast. So I think I just got a little paralyzed by it. And I wish that I would have just gone out and got a second opinion, like right off the board. So that's probably what I would do differently. Um, I would say, you know, we did a good job of not making a bunch of reactive changes at once, I think that would have been potentially bad, right? So just changing a ton of stuff and then not knowing what did or didn't help. So I think not doing that is good, but like just go out and get a second opinion quickly and see if some fresh eyes on it can help. Okay. Make sure your backups are working. Yeah, always have backups. You know, we, we emphasize that. 
the um and i would say maybe like once a quarter it's probably yeah. a good like checkpoint like hey does the disaster recovery mm-hmm. plan is, is everything right. in place like do we have those backups that said i i don't tend to do that but um you know you, you should <laughs> it sound good. yeah it sounds like something we could do and i probably will do that you should. And I'll throw in as well, because it turned out this wasn't related to an algorithm update, but those roll out a few times a year at least. And in those cases, I all, I mean, I recommend even more, it like just pause and see what happens. And at the time that we're recording this, Google rolled out the core web vitals update in like June, there was one wave and then the second wave is in July. So you don't know exactly what is going to happen in the subsequent updates or as they tweak these algorithm Mm -hmm. updates, because sometimes there are unintended consequences in the algorithm update and they have to tweak it to, you know, fix whatever they messed up on, or if they didn't see the desired result, whatever that may be. So it's usually good to not overreact and make a ton of changes. Typically, not always, but typically if you do make those many, many changes, it's probably not going to just turn around immediately. So making those changes is a little more dangerous and a bit of a gamble until you have more data. Usually, I mean, well, and I think the other thing that I would make sure my new developer is doing, which is something I mentioned, like in the job description is like, keep a very detailed change log, which like I keep a general log of what's happening at the time for me, but I want to be able to go back to a developer and be like, literally what happened during these dates and to get like a detailed list of that. So I don't know if that's common practice for developers, but for me, I think now it's like, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thinking back to the corporate days, I know from, I mean, version control is right. a huge problem and a huge, I mean, it's a, you can screw everything up if you don't have right. good version control, which is exactly what we're talking about. Knowing the revisions, even if it's like a technical yep. document, you have a whole a whole change log and you know who made the changes. Uh, there's a little summary of what they were. So you can right. go back and roll it back if you need to, which I think in in the world of like WordPress and side hustles and the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, a- anyone can literally go onto Upwork and say, yeah, I'm a WordPress developer and right. technically could get a job and they actually don't know how to do any of this stuff at all. So that's a little bit scary in, in some ways. That said, um, I think the, the basically the fact that anyone can go do it, um, you could have people that have really poor practices that don't know mm-hmm. that version control and configuration management is a really important thing that you should have under control. They may not even know those words or have seen them right. together ever. So, mm-hmm. and, and actually now I'm that I'm saying it out loud. I'm like, oh, that is scary. You can't just hire random random people that kind of know how to do some things and they make changes on the live, you know, the live website with 5,000 people on it every day. So, Right. And I think that's probably what was happening. Not that he didn't know anything, but just like, I think he was making changes on the live site. So yeah, like that's not great. But again, like when I hire someone that is very technical. I assume that these things are taken care of. That was one of the things that broke my reality check on that. It was mm-hmm. like, 
no, apparently I need to spell that out, that we should be using a staging site. Okay, I will spell that out now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of the hosting companies have that, you know, built in as built part in, of the plan. Yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. the, the right practice. That said, I almost never do that. But <laughs> Okay, but you also have backups, so you can roll it back if you screw it up. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's a contingency plan in there. All right. For sure. Anything else um, about the, the the traffic uh, analytics issue and all that stuff? Any other thoughts? I mean, it it's a bummer to not have accurate data. Like I can't just suddenly get retroactively accurate traffic for that month. Like that's just kind of lost. So when it comes to my overall tracking, like there's just going to be that weird blip in there where I don't know what it was. But for June, you know, I ha- I don't check earnings until the 15th. So I haven't done that yet, but traffic wise, I keep an eye on that. And it's been above 4,000 like every day, which is really good. So I assume that it will be around where we were last month in earnings. So things are looking good. Cool. And, you know, looking, I'm looking at the traffic graph right here and essentially there weren't a growth trajectory since I would say the early part of 2020, probably since March, April timeframe, COVID timeframe. And it just looks like, I mean, it connects, like the slope Mm -hmm. is pretty even in that area. So, I mean, it's, even though you don't have the data, I think you could probably assume that it just followed that trajectory. So a little, little blip in the radar there, but not, not a big little friendly reminder of that time. I was very stressed out. (laughs) Thanks, Google. Here's a word from our sponsor, Otis. That is O-D-Y-S dot global. And they are the source for age domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. And we're going to take a look at a domain today. The feature domain for today is pokercoach.us. And this is a pretty interesting site here. The stats come in at, well, a domain rating of 27, domain authority of 25 or so. And the site was created 17 years ago in 2004. And Poker Coach is one, is a domain of a renowned poker coach named Bob. I think it's Chiafone. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm going to give it a, an Italian pronunciation and mangle it, but Basically, his nickname was The Coach, and this site was his personal website for sharing tips and tricks, beginner advanced strategies, and he promoted his book and maybe some other things as well. And I actually took a look over on the Wayback Machine, some of the early uh, screenshots or captures of this website from something like 2006 or so, and well... It looks like a site from 2006. There's like a little animated uh, graphics that looks, I mean, it looks kind of silly when I'm, when I'm viewing it right now, but the rest of the site is just like straight up HTML and it really does look like a site from 2006. Now, as time went on, of course, they updated it, but the cool thing here, a couple areas, number one you can get a site that actually has relevant poker 
backlinks. And I know that gambling and poker, that's one of the hardest places, one of the hardest kinds of websites to get links to it. So number one, I mean, this is kind of a rare, a rare commodity and it's priced as such. It has some pretty amazing backlinks, uh, very highly relevant from poker related websites. And uh, there's a couple EDU links and, and a few other just big hitter kind of sites. So it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you're in the poker niche, for example. If, if you're not specifically in the poker niche, I think it could still be a valuable website. There's a lot of things you could do. And I think from an informational standpoint, you have the opportunity to have a lot of tips and tricks, especially if you're into poker, it would make a lot of sense to, uh, you know, move forward with this. If it's something that you're uh, an enthusiast, you play poker all the time, maybe you're a bit of an expert. So you can share tips and tricks and strategies and that sorts of, sort of thing. You can refer users or visitors to your site to poker and gaming websites, which I think could be valuable. Of course, you can take the usual angle and refer people to different products related to poker. People set up tables um, and have weekly games and they maybe need chips and other accessories and that sort of thing. It, it could even be sort of a lifestyle. I actually had a roommate who played poker um, for money for a, a few years and he would go and play tournaments and stuff. I, I never played poker with them. I, I'm not very good. So this site has a bunch of backlinks overall. So just a quick highlight, uh, 195 referring domains, 131 of them are do follow. These are highly relevant. At this time, you know, the site doesn't get any traffic. There's nothing on the site. But when I check out the previous organic traffic all the way up until it looks like the middle of 2020 or so, it was getting some organic traffic. And I think that's probably when the domain um, sort of went dark and ended up in some sort of a marketplace like Otis. So anyway, I think there's a couple of monetization strategies and you can definitely use it to build your own site. If you wanted to, you potentially could have a, a spot where you publish your own content, publish content where you're trying to earn money, but you could also most likely sell some backlinks in some capacity if you're into that sort of thing. I think you could probably monetize it better than that, but the fact is it's really hard to get good poker and gambling related backlinks. So this would be a place to check out. So anyway, thanks to Otis. Always appreciate their sponsorship. And you can get $100 to your account if you sign up with my affiliate link. So you could head over there and check it out. Even if you're not in the market right now, it's worth it to just keep an eye to see if a domain pops up, something that you're interested. So thanks to Otis. That's odys.global. Moving on to some of the other things you're working on. So one, you have um, a couple courses that you're working on. So can you talk about um, those first and then we can move on to some of the other sure. areas too? Yeah, so I have two courses in the works. They'll be my first. So I've never done an online course before. Um, it took me a little while to kind of figure out what topics I wanted to do. So I was looking around at what existed already. I didn't want to necessarily do something where there was tons of 
competing courses, then again, the things that are out there are probably selling. So it also kind of gives you an idea of topics that people are interested in. So I did narrow down to a topic I wanted um, that was pretty good for my audience. And so now I have an Upwork writer helping me draft that content. And then I also have kind of an admin team that is getting that all into Teachable, which is the platform we're going to use. And Teachable, I believe, also has like a built-in affiliate platform. So essentially, once I get my own course out, I can then go to other people within my network and see if they want to become affiliates for it. So that's kind of an offshoot channel of doing the online course. Um, So that's in progress. It's slow going because basically I lost a month trying to figure out, you know, what was going on with traffic. And that was that priority, which is fine. So my hope is to get it launched in July um, and then hopefully learn a few things along the way of doing that and then launch the second one shortly after. So maybe August, end of August. And that would be earlier than I planned for that one. So I'll have two and I'll just kind of be able to play with those and see what works and doesn't. I'm not going to invest in like doing 10 courses of my own at once. I just want to kind of see how, how the heck to sell these. So see if my email list responds to them, see if, you know, I can build enough related blog posts that, you know, direct people towards them. So I'm excited to do something kind of new and different. Um, I imagine that in the background, I'll probably still be doing the same kind of like adding new content that I normally would to the blog. But I agree with you that ideally in the future, like I would like this to become at least a third of my kind of income puzzle, you know? So currently ads and Amazon are about 50, 50, almost exactly every month. So I would like to slide in kind of my own content as a new third, just to obviously raise the income level in general, but then just diversify, kind of make it a little bit safer Hmm. if Amazon changes rates or, you know, whatever. So that is the game plan with courses. And you had, or you do have a digital product, which is an ebook, mm-hmm. right? Is it one or two of those? Two. Okay. Yep. How, how are the sales going for those? Um, I do like four or five a month or so. I'm always surprised when anyone buys them. Okay. Because I've never sold a thing of my own. So cool. <laughs> I'm always like, Hey, someone wants the thing. So to me, that's great. I haven't put a ton of effort into what is the best way to sell those? Like I've input them into our drip emails. Um, you know, I link to them in the knowledge directory that we'll talk about. Um, I have some links to them in all the related blog posts. So any related blog post, I have like a text CTA about them. So I've done kind of the baseline stuff. I haven't tried to go crazy with it, mm-hmm. um, but it does work. Occasionally people will buy them. It's not a huge money maker, but it's interesting to me to see. And I think there's a bunch of other things I could do. that are probably even less time intensive than those are that I could try to just put into that third triangle of my own products. Right. So to challenge you a little bit here, I would say it's, I'm going to tell you, it's probably going to be harder to sell the higher price courses Mm -hmm. than it is the, ebooks which are what like 10 bucks Mm -hmm. so 
number one, have you thought about trying to figure out how to market and sell more of the eBooks? So I haven't put a ton of time in there. I launched them maybe a month before the traffic fiasco. So I kind of like got the basics done. Like I linked to them from places and then I stopped thinking about them. So no, I would say I have not put a lot of time into figuring that out. And I don't think I, I don't think I have like cracked the code on the email audience, which I think is a big part of selling your own products. Like I don't know exactly what they respond to. You know, there's like 3000 people on my list, which seems like a good number. Um, but I wouldn't say that like I could send one email and be like, I guarantee you that I'll get this amount of sales out of this email. Like I definitely don't have any sense of that. Okay. And well, I'm curious, do you agree that it will be harder to sell the bigger, more expensive courses than the cheaper ones? Yeah, potentially though. Obviously you don't have to sell as many, you know, like Mm -hmm. if I sold one in a month, that would be notable for, for income, you know, versus, if I make 35, 40 bucks on eBooks, like nice to have, happy to have it. Not a huge thing. Um, you know, so yeah, I do think it'll be harder. My goal would be to get kind of like a consistent process around selling my own products. Like if I make a new thing, here's the 10 steps that I follow. And I think that's kind of what I'm missing currently is I need to make up what that is based on what works. So I just don't have a recurring process for what that looks like. Like you've launched courses before. So you're like, when I launch a course, here's the things that I do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like, I haven't launched anything. Not sure what the things are. Right. So that'll be new. And we can, we could talk about that a little bit. And I think we probably hit it at a high level, but mm-hmm. I think you see where I'm going with it. Uh, probably should figure out how to sell more of those mm-hmm smaller courses. It's a, it's a much, I mean, a much smaller barrier to entry. How much are the big courses going to cost? A couple hundred bucks probably. All right. So probably if someone's spending a couple hundred bucks, like they may have to think about it a little bit more. Um, Just think about yourself, right? Spending a couple hundred dollars, you'll, you're going to investigate further. You're going to, you're like thinking of the trade-offs, 10 bucks, you know, not a huge deal. So I would say you should figure out, even if you sort of like relaunch or like Mm -hmm. remarket those other courses where maybe the same people are going to see the offer again, but that's just how like selling Mm -hmm. stuff goes. And if you can probably figure out how to get the email list interested, Mm -hmm. either you'll figure out this group of people does like to buy things, which I mean, with 3000 people, there should be a handful in there that are interested in buying something. If it's a true, you know, problem they're having an issue with. So, so figure that out and then it will be easier to sell the bigger courses, or at least Mm -hmm. you'll have like the, the blueprint that worked for you. So you have seen some of my marketing emails, but Mm -hmm. one of the, the big things, and I think we talked about it before, but you need to sort of prep the audience with Mm -hmm. like preliminary content, whether it's um, your content or 
other people's video content or even a podcast, it, it almost doesn't matter. It's great if it's yours, but you can sort of walk them through. You don't even have to send them to a blog post. You can just put it in the email mm-hmm. and get them to engage and think, oh yeah, I have experienced that sort of issue. And then you you can agitate them and, and mm-hmm. like really demonstrate like, hey, this is a problem. And you know, here's a story, here's my story of how I struggled with it. And then, oh, here's a suggestion on how to solve it. And you can Mm -hmm. do that all in one email if you want. A lot of people will split it up into three emails where you offer up the problem and Mm -hmm. people identify with that problem. You agitate it a little bit and, and really make them think about it being a problem and then offer up, not the full solution, but a portion of getting them to move in the direction of the solution, which your ebook or course Mm -hmm. will solve. So that's the main idea. And people will format it in different ways. You may have seen like the, the launch, uh, the, like the Jeff Walker launch and they have three videos and it's a very specific recipe of that. And there's, like I said, there's a lot of ways to do it. I mean, you can do it all in one email. You could do three videos. You could do six videos if you really wanted to, break it down as long as those ideas are hit then you're guiding the potential buyer in the right direction so would you um so when you're doing it with your email list and i already have like a welcome drip campaign right do you make a separate campaign that's completely different from that or am i putting this like at the end of my welcome drip or you know, like, let's say I launch my course. Are are you just periodically sending the same group of three emails to everyone or you're yeah. tacking it on to your existing like drip sequence? Don't tack it on to your existing drip sequence because the drip sequence is a great way to automate something. But if you mm-hmm. don't know what you're doing, automating something is a good way to just like scale your mistake Mm-hmm. In, in a way and to just right. ampl- amplify the fact that you don't know what works. So right. when people are like, Hey, I'm going to do an evergreen, I got to do this evergreen funnel to sell my whatever. And mm-hmm. they haven't, they haven't figured out how to launch. They're mm-hmm. just scaling an inefficiency, okay. which is just a, it's a bad yeah. idea, right? It sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. So you can f- format it however you want. And it's sort of like technical, um, or, or terminology within the tool that you're using. Mm-hmm. But basically, yeah, send the three emails to everyone except mm-hmm. the people that have purchased it if you have the ability to not okay. send it to them. But yeah. it turns out, right, it doesn't matter. Like if you send it to them again, yeah, um, they may not even open the email. They're like, oh yeah, what is this? Oh yeah, I bought this course. Cool. They They like your brand. They like what you're yeah. doing. So if they don't want to, you know, get those emails, I can just not open them. Right. It's not the worst thing. And I, I struggled with this because there's there's technical solutions to make sure you don't send sure. it to certain people. And then one thing that I ran into is people use different email addresses for their purchases versus what they signed up for your email list for. So I would do all this work to maybe filter out yeah. 1% of the people that I wanted to send emails to. And then half of those people, it's not half, but a lot of those yeah. people used a different email address 
and you just end up like trying to optimize for this one little tiny group and it really didn't matter that much. So as time went on, I've simplified things and I'm, I'm happy to be less stressed out and have all these little, basically those pieces are, will break. That's the other thing I ran into. So with the tech stack, it should work a certain way, but things will break as the tools change as things move around. So my optimization was a complete waste of time and it stressed me out. It was hard to figure out and it didn't work that well. And then it would break in the future. So I just realized I'm better off as a person, just having a sloppy, a sloppy implementation. It's not that sloppy, but I mean, one could try to optimize it, but the tools, even if I, I use Kajabi, Mm-hmm. And even if it looks like everything is supposed to integrate perfectly, every single one of the tools or tech stacks you could piece together, they're going to have some gaps where it not only doesn't work how they designed it, they may just say, we're not covering that use case at all. So you're just kind of stuck. So anyway, mm-hmm. I do things a lot sloppier and I'm happier for it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I probably always need that lesson. So Yeah. Because I, yeah. I was going to say, like, I know you you want to have a clean, like, all, all the things that I'm talking about, you're probably thinking, yeah, I really want to do this the best way I can. And right. in a lot of ways, it ends up being a waste of time. And, and the people really don't mind that much. I mean, you're lucky if they open your fucking email. And right. Honestly. I mean, right. most people just don't open your email. Right. So. Well, and the other thing I was thinking on the email front was, you know, for our drip sequence, which is, I think it's about 20 emails or something. Um, you know, and it just covers like the basics of the site and kind of topics that new people would want to know about, or, you know, the knowledge directory and things like that. But I keep those like pretty, I don't know, I would say like buttoned up, like it's more like topic focused. There's not a huge personal element to any of those. And I just feel like probably for the courses, I should switch the vibe of those emails to be more storytelling. And that's just not what I do. Cause I kind of don't want, I don't know, in general, like I don't want to be the website, right? Like I'm not trying to sell my personal brand kind of the way that you do, right? Like what you're selling is your knowledge and what I'm selling is like a bunch of other people's knowledge. So I've steered away from that a little bit, but I think probably with, you know, if I was doing three emails about a course, I should probably include some actual personal stories and make them more conversational than I do in a drip sequence. It's kind of my gut. Okay. Yeah. I, I think so also just in a general sense and, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking of, it doesn't have to be you specifically, like you can tell stories about other people, but the narrative is helpful. Mm -hmm. I mean, all, all the marketing and selling, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's, it works best if, if there's a story and narrative and like people behind it versus like just a a newsletter where it looks like it's a corporation or something. Right. Okay, cool. So overall, I think, you know, figuring out how to sell the eBooks is going to be really good prerequisite to sell the more expensive courses. And you're a hundred percent right. It's, you know, you only have to sell a fraction of those other courses to make up for, you know, 20, right. 20 of the eBooks. Right. Now, one, one thing that you dropped in there, which I think can be really effective is working with affiliates. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they potentially could be able to sell your course for you. Maybe they're really good at selling. But the thing is, if you know how to sell it already and you could provide them with some of the marketing mm-hmm. materials, it'll be really helpful for them. So if they're throwing it in their YouTube video, they can kind of cover cover mm-hmm. things in a way that y- you've already discovered. These are the, the, the great selling points of this course. People really connected to these pieces. Right. Agreed. So now I'm trying to think if there was any, any other like uh, digital products you're working on any other pieces of that. Um, not my own digital products. I would say I have some general questions about the knowledge directory project that I have going. If yep. you want to touch on that yet. Yeah, let's do that. But before okay. we go on, uh, several people were actually asking me, Hey, what's the knowledge directory? Because you've branded it that way. Um, mm-hmm. which, which is nice, but what what is it really? Sure. So basically it's my way of highlighting other influencers in my niche, other experts that already have courses. So it's basically a course library where I'm an affiliate for all of the courses inside of it. So instead of waiting to have any courses on my site, because that takes a good amount of time to do, um, instead I reached out to, I think it was 30 or 40 folks that had great courses on a bunch of different topics I was basically like, hey, depending on the platform you're using, like Teachable or Kajabi or whatever, almost all of them have an affiliate built-in functionality. Um, So I'd love to be an affiliate and list you in this directory. And so that's basically kind of a, a way for me to get more courses to people on a variety of topics that I'm never going to make a course about, right? So like I never going to probably make anything related to the courses I have out there right now. So everyone was delighted to do it. Like I was really pleased with the response. I didn't know if anyone would want to do it. Um, But for them, it's also, there's no downside, right? There's zero downside to doing it. So I was happy that people recognized that and wanted to be involved and they're really excited about it. Um, So I do want to be selling their stuff and kind of Obviously, it's good for me to sell it, but it's also like I want to make sure I'm doing a good job being an affiliate for them. So that's kind of what it is. It was, how can I sell courses when I don't have any courses? Mm-hmm. And this seemed like a really good way to do that. So, yeah. Okay. And just the one sentence answer is, it's a list of digital affiliate products mm-hmm. that you're trying to sell. So right. like I said, people got confused, knowledge centered, knowledge directory. They were like, what, what is this? Is it like a big thing? No, it's just a list of courses. That mm-hmm. That's it. Super simple, same business model, just digital products. Okay. Yep. What are your questions? So we do occasionally sell things through there. Like I've done fairly little to promote it because again, like the traffic plummet happened shortly after, you know? Um, so like it's in a sidebar, we added drip emails to our sequence about, um, kind of consolidated topics and then would nest blogs and related courses underneath those. I have the occasional like text CTAs about them in different blogs, but in general, like I haven't found or even really tried to make at this point a winning formula for selling other people's courses. 
And I think where I'm struggling mentally is, you know, I can send people clicks and I can see that that is happening, but I can't make them want to purchase once they get to someone else's site, right? Like I have no control over someone else's sales page. So are there other things that I should be doing, you know, on my end to increase the likelihood that they buy? Like how do I maybe prime that person to be in more of like a buyer's mindset by the time they hit someone else's sales page? Because I think that's really the only part of the process that I could influence. Okay. And have you seen, have you seen this work in like other industries or would no, you, would you like get the impression that it is working? Made it up. Thought it sounded like a good idea. Thought I'd do it. Okay. And I think, um, it, it is, I mean, we talked about it. It's a good idea to sell other people's, mm-hmm. um, courses to sort of like test the market and test your audience. And, you know, one, one advantage, right. If you study affiliate marketing, people will say you can sell other people's stuff so you can see what the market likes. And then Mm -hmm. you could create that product, whether it's Mm -hmm. physical, digital, whatever you can understand like what's working and what's not based on real sales volume and, and all that stuff. So what is on so we have the knowledge directory and it's a list of available digital courses. So what's the intended flow? Like what, what do you want to happen starting with where this traffic comes from? Right. So currently it's, you know, a graphic on the sidebar. They may stumble upon it from the main menu. Um, part of the issue I think for me currently, which is on the wish list for the new developer is that I don't have a ton of, control over my homepage content, right? So like the theme is like, here are your three options. And it's pretty much like, we list the blogs. Okay, but like I'm now at the level where I would like to be able to say like, here's what I want to feature. Like I want to be walking through these kinds of content, you know? So part of it is that I can't just splash, you know, this tool on the homepage right now. Not possible. So until I can get that done... Um, they really need to be finding it through other blog posts or the sidebar or whatever. Ideally, I was thinking, um, you know, we made basically a landing page for each course that we listed. So we wrote up like our own summary of it. We did like, here's who it's by. Here's what it costs. Here's the button to purchase. Like we did the disclaimer, like you're going to go to someone else's site. So they're not surprised to leave. So we did that kind of thing. And we tried to do like problem solution as our overview. And then ideally like they would hop onto that person's site, they would see their sales page and be convinced to buy. So we weren't just grabbing content from the other person's page. Like I didn't want them to read the same paragraph twice, but I don't know if that's like the best way to do it. Or if it's just a matter of like, I just need to get more of my traffic to these pages. And then, you know, a portion of them will convert. Okay. I don't know. It's all an experiment. So I don't know what's going to work. Right. And before we started recording, you know, one, one of the big things that I pointed out is the intent of the visitor, like where are they at in their mm-hmm. mindset? And you can think about this in like any sales capacity too. So if I was just, you know, brow- I was walking through a car dealership for some reason that you wouldn't mm-hmm. casually walk through. But if I actually right. wasn't interested in buying a car, then I'm the like 
the salespeople should just listen to me when I say, Hey, I'm just like walking through to the sales department or to the uh, parts department or something like that, because I like, I'm just not interested. So you, you may just be having the experience where it's like casual people are looking at the content. They're just curious. And then, then when, when they get there, they see that they're, you know, they had no intent of buying anything at all. So that's a big thing. And when we looked at the the landing pages and the directory, it really is set up like an e-commerce shop, not, not on an e-commerce mm-hmm. platform, but it, it really okay. is like, all right, you click on this product. There's a short description that's maybe 200 words or so. Mm-hmm. And then you can go click a button and then hit the sales page over there. So from that perspective, if I landed on an e-commerce shop and I wasn't interested, I was just like Mm -hmm. gathering information or just browsing around, then I wouldn't make the purchase either. So it kind of makes sense. All that to say, if you have the right visitor who's thinking, Mm -hmm. hey, a blank course review, and that's what they search for in Google and they landed on the page, then yeah, sure. they They may go check it out. So all that said, um, one thing that you should take a look at is where the traffic is coming from that is going to anything within the knowledge directory, mm-hmm. especially the people that are clicking out to the, right. the site, because that that's you know one step further. They didn't just land on it. They thought, oh, I mm-hmm. actually do want to learn more. So, and, and just to make sure you haven't investigated that, right? I haven't done like really any, anything beyond like get the links up on the site. Like that's as far as I've gotten. Okay. So yeah, check that out and and see what you can come up with. Now, I know you mentioned, I think you mentioned in, in while we were recording, I can't remember, mm-hmm. but I think you have in your email sequences some content related to the topic that a course may solve. So you may say, Oh, here's a blog post. If you want to go deeper, here's a course. So you actually are, you are marketing in your email list, but it's, that's correct, right? Correct. Okay. So in same situation with that. So it's probably someone who is interested in that topic because they saw the subject line, they read the email, but it, doesn't just because they're interested doesn't mean that they're thinking, Hey, I want to spend hundred bucks on this course or anything. So a little bit of a disconnect there. Now, do you know if there's any search volume related to some of the, the keywords or anything like blank course review? Are there any people searching for those things? So I haven't looked that up yet, but that's where I think I could have some fun (laughs) dork fun but have some fun on the SEO front of, you know, maybe finding some long tail keywords that are pretty low hanging fruit and making either a blog post about that, that really features that course, or, you know, at least just mentioning a couple of courses around that topic. But there may be things that, you know, those actual course providers are not even targeting. Like a lot of times the course people are not SEO people. So it does seem like I should use my strength of the SEO research and, you know, how Google plays to maybe get more of the right kind of traffic there. So I haven't looked at that, but I want to, and I think that's a good idea. And just, 
I, I know what your side is, but other people don't. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say it might be, you know, one of those where the search volume is going to be non-existent. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's the case where you just look at the most popular course creators and just, you know, preemptively like write whatever the course is with review Mm -hmm. and you have that review out there. There's a good chance there's absolutely zero other content on the internet targeting it at all. So if anyone searches something even close to it, you're going to rank and it probably can just be like, 500 800 words like it probably doesn't need to be that long because it's so obscure so here's my question my follow-up question on that is like if i have 40 i think we're at like 40 30 40 courses i have not taken them all (laughs) right so what kind of review post would i write that is authentic without being like or do i write these people and be like hey can you give me access to your course for two days so that I can write a review about it or, you know, what, what should I do for that? A couple ideas. One, yeah, you can ask for that access. And I think, you know, d- depending on who it is, they may hesitate. Now mm-hmm. I'm cynical. I don't trust people in general. So when people have approached me in the past and I don't know who they are, I tell mm-hmm. them, um, usually no, I'll, I'll ask like, Oh, well, how do you plan on marketing this? And I'll like go a little deeper to Mm -hmm. find out if it could be a good relationship. Um, or if it's just a random person who wants the course for free, the good part is you have a lot of like brand equity that you've built Mm -hmm. up over time. And the people may even know who you are through other people in the industry. Just in general. Each of them, you know, like we have a conversation with them. Perfect. So I think you are in a good position to say, I am trying to, like, we haven't been able to sell many. Mm -hmm. I want to write a deeper review about your course and I would love to have access. Um, And I know this is an unusual request. Mm -hmm. And I think because it's it's not internet marketing that I work in, people will be more receptive, especially, I mean, you're, you're saying, Hey, I want to tr- try to figure out how to market this. Right. And and I would focus on like maybe the, maybe the five most popular people. Mm-hmm. And, and you could even tell them that like, Hey, I'm just trying to do this for the most, um, yep. not the most popular, most but the, traffic, basically that we're yes. sending. Yeah. So I think, I think that could work. And you know, worst case scenario, they say no. And then you've already, you know, you just go down the list and get the next person or so. Um, And and you're also saying, Hey, I just want it for a couple of days. Like I'm not trying to just get the course for free. I'm trying to do this for marketing. Well, and I've already had, I had one course provider reach out the other last week, I think super sweet note being like, Hey, we seen that you sent, you know, this amount of clicks, but we haven't had any conversions. Is there anything you think we could do differently? you know, like that, that is basically the email that I would be sending Okay, to those people, you know? So, and I think there, you know, there may just be some other room to play with keywords. Like you'd mentioned before, like best five best courses for whatever. Right. Right. I just haven't done the research on yet, but I think there's probably a lot of that out there where I could do kind of more of a list. And clearly those people are looking for courses. 
So they should be in more of a buyer's mindset. And I just thought of something too. So even if people aren't searching for, you know, best blah, blah, blah mm -hmm. courses, that could be something that would be shared or pinned or something right. like that. So from a social media standpoint, like that, that could actually work. Okay. Right. And that, that makes sense to me. Like someone would see like best I've been, um, actually quick, quick tangent. So I've been playing guitar more and, and watching videos and stuff. And some of the marketers in the, like any instrument space, they're amazing. They, they do a really good job. And there's actually a guy in Bozeman named Tony Policastro. Ooh. And he used to work at this shop called Musicville. You're not a, you don't play any instruments, do you? Not anymore. He used to play the flute. Nice. Okay. So they, they probably have them there. Musicville is a like world-class, like awesome. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of guitars there, but there's also other stuff. Anyway, this guy, Tony Policastro has like, um, this community, I don't know how many members, but I actually signed up initially because I could tell they had an awesome sales funnel. So I wanted to see oh, cool. the yeah. sales funnel. And right. it's, um, it's the same stuff, right? So a lot of times I'll just give examples and it's because I've seen the same sales funnels work across at like any mm -hmm. industry. It, it doesn't matter it's the same kind of emails and all that stuff. Right. Um, but, but anyway, I, I forgot part, part of <laughs> what we were talking about at all. But well, seeing someone's example. Yes. So that I could follow it like a template would be ideal. So yeah. So, so basically you could sign up for like, at, like you see an ad on Instagram or something, sign up right. for the email list and just see how they like, they send you through the funnel and some of the offers and stuff like that. A lot of times there's like little trials that you could sign up for, but that's selling your own stuff, but you can well, still use some of the same ideas. Yeah. The courses that I currently have, like you can tell which ones are kind of the higher price ones or the ones that people have spent more time on. And those were kind of where I was thinking for my own course, like I should go look at, you know, I should pick out a couple of the ones that I know are more successful and then just kind of try their landing page as my template for my own course and not just start from a blank piece of paper. Yep. 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 Yeah. And but you, you know, when you're saying the list of best courses or whatever, there's all those lists of like the best blogs, X best blogs of whatever topic. So it does feel like those do get shared. That's something that kind of gets around. Um, and then, oh, the other thing I did do when we add someone to the course, we also send them social graphics saying like now featured on blah, blah, blah. So we do do that and ideally have them share those out as well. Okay. Gotcha. And then have you, has that been successful? I mean, some people have done it. Obviously if there are people already in that person's audience. I don't expect them to go buy from my site versus the original person, but I like getting the name out there more. Like, I just don't think that's bad. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was going to say just the, the cross promotion is really cool mm -hmm. anyway. So, okay. And so the knowledge directory just overall, I think there's a, a couple things to try yep. and it is, it could be a little tough if people aren't generally searching in like right. a large volume, but you, it's still 
like an effective uh, way to potentially market some. And it, you know, we've talked about like just different revenue streams just in case. And the more you have, you know, you've layered them on in different ways. So it's a great, um, it's a great like hedge just in general. Now, the one, the only gripe, and I think I mentioned it um, when you were starting to develop it is it could have been implemented in a simpler and faster way. And I'm all about like simpler and faster. Mm -hmm. And I think the way you did it is fine. It is really a lot more like a e-commerce or a directory setup Mm -hmm. so a person can filter and do some things where i'm more like it could have just been a list make a blog post yeah yeah (laughs) it could have been a list and it could have been done in one afternoon Mm -hmm. instead of like a developer working on it and not that it's you know you have a good outcome at the end yep however you could have tested it in a simpler way. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's hindsight sure. and I mean, you hit your goal. So I'm, I'm going to yep. criticize you and just it's say. Always the same critique for me. So. Yep. Here, and yeah. It's just like the faster we could test it, what's the easiest way we could test this and figure out if it works or it doesn't. And you could have figured out, Hey, this doesn't work that well. Or I could like yeah. push this boulder uphill. So now you have like the solution and you may be able to use that elsewhere or whatever, but any thoughts on that? My, my counter argument is that just since I have like the marketing creative design background, like I think that when I'm building a site and this is what I did at the very beginning too, like I'm pretty sure in your course, even you're like, don't worry about your logo, like make it in five minutes. Like just get this, like it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. Um, and for me, I kind of default to like, I need it to look bigger than it is, you know, like I need it to look more legit than it is when I started. So like the site was that way. Like I want to be able to approach people and have them look at it and be like, yeah, that looks really nice. That looks like she didn't do it herself in Squarespace. Um, which I think worked well for me at the beginning. And then like, obviously snowballed and the directory, I think I approached the same way, which was like, I know what I want this to become. And I would rather just start there because I don't need money today. You know, like I'm in a lucky position to just like, like I'm building this for 10 years from now. And I don't care if it didn't make any money last month on the directory. Like, yeah, I want it to, but I'm more so like, I want it to look the way that I feel good about pitching it to someone that is high up in my niche. So that's just like, that's my mindset about it. I imagine there is a nice happy ground in the middle Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) between a blog post list and like having a developer do the things. Yeah. But like, that's kind of where I get a little stuck is like, if someone were sending this to me, would I think it looked legit enough to do it? And it's not like I'm probably pretty picky about that compared to other people. Mm -hmm. So like, that's just where my brain goes. Gotcha. And well, we'll we'll agree to disagree, but since I'm hosting, I'll get in the last word. So the, uh, I would say the idea is not to have the final product Mm -hmm. at the beginning. The idea is to iterate and the idea is to implement as fast as you can so you get data that you can act upon. Right mm-hmm. now, you have a really good directory that's 
selling a couple things, but mm-hmm. not enough to warrant the effort that was put in. So again, you can iterate. So once, once it showed promise, you're like, oh, I'm figuring out how to sell some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Then you could come back and say, all right, let's spend some more time on this and let's mm-hmm. get the developer to do it. And right. yeah, it's really just like, how can we get feedback as quickly as possible? Because if it doesn't work, then, or, or you realize, you know what? This other stuff is actually working much better. Mm-hmm. Let's just scrap this thing. I don't even care about it anymore, which I'm mm-hmm. doing more and more of. So, sure. yeah. Well, and I imagine that, you know, since we were able to hit kind of that double number by June, then that gives me a little more leeway for the next six months to be like, okay, I just need to sustain that. I mean, it's an artificial goal anyway, but in my mind, like I just need to sustain that. Um, And I can spend the next six months more so figuring out how to, how to do these new things like the directory, like the courses, like the, you know, paid guides, that kind of stuff. Like I bought myself some free time to focus on the promotion of those. So, you know, instead of being like, well, I need to, I need to have those making money right away. I have a little bit of time to be like, well, now I'll figure out what, what works, what doesn't, how to get my email people buying stuff, you know? Um, so I think that's probably where the second half of the year is going to be. Yep. And, and I was going to say, I think, you know, the big focus is, figuring out how to sell the stuff that you have. So starting with the eBooks and then moving on to the courses, you know, throw in the knowledge directory courses as well. And I think, you know, just having the, the products to sell Mm -hmm. is only about maybe 25% of the work and like figuring out how to sell it is so much more. Yep. Well, and I think the, buyer's intent, like either creating it from someone who didn't have it when they got there or bringing in different people who already are in that mindset is going to be the biggest thing. And that's just not something I've put time into yet. Right. Yep. So any other questions or thoughts about the last uh, month or so? Um, I don't think think so. Like, I feel like we've got some big things in the works. Um, so I'll probably have you look at my course, the first one, and just give it a glance before, you know, I throw anything out there. Um, I'll probably circle back with you about what is just a general course launch that I could follow. Like what general steps should I be following? I'm still a couple of weeks away from that. So, but that's what I kind of see as the next big hurdle me is, you know, I'm going to get the content completely buttoned up and then, then I'm going to have to start building emails or building landing pages or, you know, just that stuff that I haven't done before. Can you, so you have a little gap before you'll be potentially selling the the first course, right? Yeah. I mean, as long as I want, but yeah, I'm probably still a couple weeks out from like finalizing it in Teachable. Would you be able to, or would you be willing to try to re or like relaunch or promote one of the eBooks in the meantime before? Cause I think, I mean, I think it is a prerequisite step before you 
try to sell the $200 courses to get a few more sales and like, oh, these emails work. And I mean, you have a big enough email list where you could even divide it into two and like try two different marketing strategies Mm -hmm. and send, you know, 1500 people this one um, sort of sequence or a few emails to launch and then something a little bit different to the other just to get some data. I mean, you could even just keep it simple where you have different subject lines and right. maybe in your email app, you have a, a way to test those things on a smaller scale too. Yep. So yeah, o- overall the, the point is we got to figure out how to sell a couple things yep. first and just be more comfortable. Like, all right, these, these work, we can shorten it. We can lengthen the, the emails or something like that. So yep. Or maybe one list gets a more like personalized story type email and one list gets kind of what I normally send. Yeah. 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 Great. So that'll be, I think that'll be critical. And then you can maybe pause on, or I guess promoting the course in, mm-hmm. in July specifically, because, you know, at the time we're recording this, we have a couple weeks left. So it yeah. may take a, a few a few days to pull together those emails and maybe do early August instead. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's no, it's all arbitrary. So whenever we feel like we should do it, that's when we'll do it. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, congrats again on hitting the seven K mark. Yes. We've recovered. We're pressing on. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon.